hustlers. Do you know what that means? You're going to hustle. We're not going to be lazy. We're going to get in it to win it. This is our first day of our Daniel fast. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to happen this month. We're going to hustle now. Shake it off. Break off the laziness. Worship. Praise. It's time. Say, nothing ever changes for me. It's time. Come on. We're going to hustle. We're going to hustle. We're going to hustle. How hungry are you? Jesus wants to know, how hungry are you? Are you hungry for him? Are you hungry? It's time for us to be hungry. We've had a lot of uh, delicacies. All the world's junk. But now it's time, people. Break it off. Chains be broken. It's time. 2020. It's the time of the roar. It's the time of your roar. Who are you? You are the blood bot. You are the blood bot. You are the blood bot. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Nothing can hold you back. Nothing should hold you back. The only thing that's holding you back is you. It's only you. It's not your circumstance. It's not even the enemy. Because the enemy doesn't have authority over you. You're the blood bought. He bought you. He put in you his Holy Spirit. And he gave you the authority to trample. To trample. To trample on the enemy. Get yourself out of the way. Get your flesh out of the way. Get your mind on him. It's time. It's time. We're going to Holy Spirit hustle now. Elizabeth, I want you to, you know what? We're not going to sing. These these instruments are going to prophesy right now. You all, they're going to prophesy. They're going to prophesy. They're going to prophesy. And I want you to worship. Come on, break out of your religion. Break out of the past. Break out of what you think God should do. And be, it's a time for a new thing in your life. It's a new season. It's a new season. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off. You do it. He has given you power. He has given you his power. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be 
Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us that when Elisha, the prophet Elisha, was asked about going into the battle by the kings, he was kind of irritated with the kings because some of the kings were not uh, obeying God. But he said, you know what, I'm going to consult the Lord. And he asked for the instruments to come. He asked for the musicians to come and said, you know what, start playing. Start, come on, start playing. Because the spirit of prophecy is going to fill this place. And as they began to play, he began to hear the word of the Lord. Now you all in this place, this is a house where we believe that the sons and daughters shall prophesy according to Acts chapter 2. It's not just the Elishas and the Elijahs, but it's all of us. Those of us have been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and fire. We are people of the prophetic voice. It is time for us to hear the voice of the Lord, even for our own circumstances. Holy Spirit. become even more undignified than this I'm gonna battle for the people I'm gonna battle for the lost I'm gonna battle for the next generation it is time we're our people of war we are people who go and get back what the enemy has stolen Holy Spirit wants to put a greater fight in you a greater fight in you some of you have let go of the fight. And the Lord says, I want to put a greater fight in you. Like the saying says, it's not the size of the cat in the battle. It's the size of the battle in the cat. The fight inside of you. This year is going to be a year of victory. I declare it, I decree it, but you got to get in the fight. You got to get in the fight. You can't be sitting on the sidelines. Got to get out of the lazy boy. You got to put down the remote. You got to put down the video games. You got to put down the sidetrack and the distractions. It's time for you to be in the fight. Chains will fall. Come on. Chains are going to fall. Now. It's not tomorrow. It's now. It's the yes and the amen. It's the yes. It's the amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe your promise. I believe what you say. My faith is going forth. All right. The Lord wants to do something right now. That word you took what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good what has the enemy tried to use against you maybe it's something he's tried to seduce you to do maybe it's an addiction maybe it's a, a marriage problem maybe it's a, a financial problem maybe it's a, a a problem that you have that you don't tell people about but this is the thing the lord wants to take it and change it up for good so that the enemy will be sorry he ever played with you He's going to be sorry he ever played with you. Get it? He's going to be sorry he ever played with you. You're not one he can play with because you're not going to put up with him. You're not going to put up with him. Now we're going to sing this song. You know what? Whatever the enemy has tried to take and mean it for evil in your life, 
in your situation. Maybe you went through abuse. Maybe you went through a, an abusive relationship. Maybe you've gone through a tragedy. Maybe a death. Maybe a death of a child. Maybe a death of a spouse. Maybe a relationship that got all broken up. It's time. It's time for the great turnaround. It's time for the great turnaround. You take what the enemy meant for evil. I am not going to leave it there. I'm not going to leave it there that the enemy can mean it for evil in my life. I'm not leaving. That's not where the period is put. The end of the sentence is this. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good and he'll be sorry because I'm going to help people. I'm going to pull them out of their pit because if God can do it for me, he can do The Lord is giving us a word today. It is a, it's a year of the turnaround. I know it. And I believe that January 2020 is the time for the drenching of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to show you why. I'm going to tell you why. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You all know it. Many of you know this about the armor of God but there's a there's an emphasis that I want to put out there Ephesians 6 10 through 17 in conclusion be strong in the Lord be be your state of being is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his boundless might put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil all of them for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places therefore Put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand, stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth around your waist. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation for to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, now listen, verse 16, he says to the Ephesians, but above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God I'm going to emphasize verse 16 above all the shield of faith this is what you need to know about the shield the shield before battle was drenched in water drenched in water so that when the fiery darts came they were instantly extinguished it's time to be drenched in the water people can't have a dry shield can't have a dry shield you know what the enemy is counting on your shield being dry this is the month that we begin the, our calendar year but more importantly 
it's for many of us a time where the Holy Spirit wants to drench us in preparation for our 2020. And it's up to you to be willing to be drenched. It just doesn't happen. It's your commitment. It's your decision. It's where you place yourself. It's time for you to place yourself to be soaked in the waters of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes people, and you know, I've been a pastor for a long time. They don't think they need it. Oh, January 5th. I don't really need it. Nothing's really going on. But then about April 15th, they need it. The only problem is their shield isn't drenched and the fiery darts are coming. Come on, can we be proactive and say, let's drench our shield. Our faith is drenched in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need, I don't care if you think you're the most spiritual person in this house. We all need a fresh soaking of the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh soaking of the Holy Spirit. And this is the time. See, when we have a fresh soaking, it increases the power of the shield of faith. And we are to be, we are a muscle church, and we're going to have a shield of faith that's drenched in the Holy Spirit. The second part that I want to emphasize is the helmet of salvation. And the reason why is because I have noticed as a pastor, the greatest battlefield is the mind of people. Sin usually is birthed in the thought life. You think about it usually. Oh, you know, Pastor Lynn, it just happened. No, it didn't. You thought about it. You drove yourself there. Just happened I got drunk in the bar. How did you get to the bar? You drove or you walked. Come on, people. Let's get real. Let's just be sober judgment about ourselves. The fact is, is that the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation reveals to us our identity. The reminder of our identity that the blood of Jesus has washed our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You are a child of God. John 1.12. But to the many who did receive him, he gave them the right and the authority to be the children of God. He gave you the right and the authority. You are a child of God, but that's why we need the helmet of salvation. Because through our salvation, we have become a child of God. And that's how we walk. That's our daily life. And the greatest battlefield, I am convinced, is in the mind. It's in our mindset. It's the fiery darts that the enemy brings into our minds and our thoughts. And that's why we have to take captive every thought and bring it under Christ Jesus. But it's a time now, in January 2020... To renew our minds. To have our minds transformed. Listen, when you take every thought captive, it will not birth sin. It will not birth the thing that may try to imprison you or in the past has tried to imprison you. Whether it be depression or anxiety or fear or an addiction or a, a, an affair or whatever may try to seed itself in your mind. If you take everything captive under Christ Jesus, under the blood of Jesus, you can walk in victory. It is a lie. It is a lie from the enemy that you walk in defeat. That you are weak to that thing. It's a lie. 
But you need accountability. I'm going to tell you that. You need accountability. Why? Because, you know what, when we start believing a lie, we begin to, our physical body actually begins to not show up where the Holy Spirit is. You know why? Because it's convicting. You know what I mean? So we start, I don't need to go to church. I'm afraid Pastor Lynn's going to prophesy to me or look at me, look at me right in the eyes and see my soul. (laughs) Oh, come on, people. Let's just get real here. Listen, I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you practice. I'm telling you I live in it and I live it. And that's how you walk in victory is you take everything captive. Pastor David holds me uh, accountable for my thoughts. Sometimes I'll get all despair oriented. I'll get in a funk. You know, let me give you an example of a Pastor Lynn funk. (sighs) You know what? These people are just tired of hearing it. You know what, Lord? I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm done. I am so done right now. Actually, just recently, Friday, Friday, the Lord told me to give a word to somebody, somebody that needed the word. And I'm all, Lord, I'm tired of harboring and hankering and bothering this person. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give them that word. Oh, see, Pastor Lynn's listening to who? Who am I listening to when I'm saying that? The enemy. I'm listening to the enemy. So I'm not going to give that word. I'm not going to do it because I'm just tired of people saying, you're bothering me. You know, I'm just tired of the, the attitude of resistance. Okay, that's the enemy. It's not even true that people are being resistant, but I'm listening to the enemy. He's sneaky, you know. So I don't do it. I don't do it. But you know what? God is so good to me. I got spanked at the end of this, but uh, he's so good to me because the person that I was going to, supposed to give the word to, they actually text me that day, later in the day, and the very word that I was supposed to give to them, they said to me, and they said, you know what? I need you to do, they said, I need you to do this for me. Now, that's, this is a miracle, right? But it's also a Lord's kick me in the butt saying, and then the Lord said, and don't you ever do that to me again, Lynn. I'm giving this chance to you. See, thoughts prevent us from speaking the word of life. It's prevent us from being the vessels. Not just about sin. It's about not just sins of commission. It's sins of omission. I fail to do something I know I'm supposed to do. The helmet of salvation, the blood. Who are you? You're a child of God. You have the rights and the authority to be sons of God. You are not powerless. You live in power. And you are to have a powerful perspective. The Lord says it's time for the turnaround. It's time for the turnaround, but you have to commit to the drenching of the Holy Spirit on your shield of faith. It's time for the turnaround, but you have to allow him to transform and give you the renewing of your mind. It's the time for the turnaround, but you can't dwell in your flesh. You can't give into your flesh. You've got to say, Holy Spirit... I will obey you. I will crucify the flesh. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's who you are. Who are you? You are Jesus in this world. 
You are the body of Christ in this world. Who are you? You are powerful. You walk in authority. Who are you? You extinguish the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy. That's who you are. You are his. You have his DNA. You have him in you. So the Lord says right now, January 5th, he says, it's time for the drenching. You know what? If you say, you know what? I need my shield of faith to be drenched. I want you to stand. If you say, I need to have the helmet of salvation and the mind of Christ in my situation. Lord, some of you have been on a merry-go-round, a merry-go-round, same thing over and over and over. One year later, 2018, 2019, the merry-go-round of a thought life that the Lord says, I want to break off. I want to break off. Some of the patterns, some of you have patterns in your thought life that have been embedded since you were a young child. You have a patterns in your thought life that are, are generational curses have been handed down to you. This is the way you think. This is the way that you deal with your problems. And the Lord says, no, no, that's not the way you're going to think. That's not how you're going to deal with your problems. It begins with you. Some of you, January 2020 is the, is the moment, is the time, is the adventus. That means, adventus means the God-given divine intervention time to break off some of the thoughts and patterns that you have been entertaining since you were a young child, a young boy, a young girl. We break it off, Lord. Come on. You know what? The Lord keeps telling me, Lynn, you can't do it for them, but you sure can encourage them. I can't do it for you. I wish I could. I wish I could go and do it for you. I would do it. I'm that codependent. I'm that codependent. I'd go around and say, I want to do it for you. But the fact is this. Jesus already did it for you. Pick it up. Pick it up. Shake off the pride. Shake off the flesh. Shake off the denial. Shake off the blaming. The blaming. And say, you know what? It's time for a turnaround. I'm going forward. There's a new thing for me. A new thing for my family. A new thing for my children. I'm going to walk not of this world. I am not of this world. Yes, I'm going to look different. Yes, I'm going to be different. But I belong to him. And I'm going to walk in power. Way down deep to the darkest time, I'm going to walk in power. Because even in the darkness, the Lord is there. He's there. He's there. Even if you're going through grief right now, maybe you've had loss. Maybe you're going through pain right now. The Lord says, I'm there. And even then, I don't want you to have a mindset of defeat. I don't want you to have a mindset of despair. Even when we go through grief, you don't have to have a mindset of despair. That's the world's way, not God's way. He says, there's always hope in me. There's always hope in me. Now we're going to raise our hands to the Lord. I believe, I believe 
you know, we are going to be of Acts chapter 2, verse 28, church. Signs and wonders, miracles, healings, deliverance, salvation. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be like a dry religious institution or organization. We will be people of Acts, the book of Acts. We will be transformers of our culture, of the setting that we're placed in. Some of you say, how is that going to happen? Some of you say, I can't do it. That Lord's telling me, it's kind of like, uh, like the cartoons with the little bubbles right now. And the Lord says, all things are possible with God who believes. All things are possible for those who believe. All, 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 all things are possible. You're looking at the person who you don't think will ever come to Christ. All things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe, Lord. It's time for the great turnaround, and Lord, we commit. Listen, I want you right now to make that commitment in your heart right now to drench your shield in the Holy Spirit. Drench your shield in the Holy Spirit. Drench your shield in the Holy Spirit. All things are possible to those who believe Jesus is walking around saying, all things are possible. He's here. He's here. I'm not going to talk about you, Lord, like you're not in the room. You're right here. You're walking around. You're saying, will you believe me? He's walking through the aisles right now. He's walking through saying, hey, I'm right here. Hey, you, I'm right here. All things are possible. All things are possible. It's time. It's time. I want you right now to lift up your impossibility, the thing that you say is impossible, or the thing that you say, God, I am asking for you to turn it around this year. Whatever that is, I want you to lift it up to the Lord right now. His Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. We take every thought captive and bring it under submission to Jesus. The mind of Christ. The world is fighting for your thoughts. The world is fighting for your thoughts. Your flesh is fighting for your thoughts. But Jesus is speaking to you right now saying, you know what? I want to do some turnaround. Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you, Father. Worship team, I want you to get ready to sing the fourth song on your list. Get ready. We're going to respond to the Lord through the worship song right now. To our commitment to the Lord. Come on, worship team. Let's start.
It's time for us to have a fresh turban on our head. Zechariah 3, 5, and I, Zechariah said, let them put a clean turban on his head and clothe him with rich garments. What did this produce? Zechariah 4, 12, and a second time I said to him, what are these two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes by which the golden oil is being emptied? These are the two sons of fresh oil. Listen, the turban, the Lord says, I want to put a pure turban on your head, which represents your thoughts. And from that comes the fresh oil. It's time for fresh oil, fresh oil in your life, which represents the Holy Spirit. We are embarking on a time, a very, very significant time, not only in history, chronologically, but spiritually. Can you feel it? Can you sense it? The Lord is on the move. The Lord says, don't fear what may happen globally. I'm on the move. I'm on the move. Get in with him. The fresh turban, your thoughts, the fresh oil. Because that very same book in Zechariah, he writes to Zerubbabel, which he's talking about the two sons of the fresh oil. Zerubbabel is one of them. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can say to the mountain, be thou removed. But you got to have the turban, the new thing. And you got to have the fresh oil. Lord, we say yes to you. You got to say yes for yourself. I can't say it for you. It's the new thing you have, Lord. The fresh manna. You're standing before us saying, Come to me, all who are thirsty. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Come to me, all who are thirsty. He has the living waters. Lord, we drink of you. This is time. It's time. Lord, we drink of you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is here, that you're here. We are in awe of you. We respect your presence, Lord. We are grateful for your presence. And Lord, even in our brokenness or in sometimes our inabilities, Lord, we say yes. We know that you're going to help us. We don't do it in our own flesh. We say yes to you, knowing that it is your power, your Holy Spirit's power within us that gives us the ability to walk in authority over things, Lord, that might come against us. We thank you in your name. Amen. God bless you. Aren't you glad there's freedom? Aren't you glad that you can be free in Christ? Aren't you glad you go to a place that you're not condemned, but you're released in the things that God has for you? I tell you, God's got some great things in store for us as a church. Uh, I just want to share one thing. Uh, I did a report. You know, we, uh, we just took the offering, so the offering's good. You don't have to worry. Your, your finances are safe. I got a ring here, Randy. I don't know if it's coming through me or if it's just I'm, I got, what do they call it, tinnitus or whatever that is. Your ringing. Do you hear me too? Yeah. Um, 
But I did a report, first time I've ever done one of these reports. We're part of a denomination, and they ask for a report every year, and I did it. Um, this year, I hadn't done it in the past. I kind of just gave them a general number. But this year, I went through all of our financial records from January 1st of last year with our accountants. We do have an accounting company that handles all of our books. It's outsourced. Uh, that way, there's checks and balances of where we're spending and that. And in addition to what we've given uh, through our, our denominational uh, resources, like our missionaries and those kind of things, we gave $106,000 more than we did last year. And I tell you that because a lot of times people think, well, church, we just keep the money for ourselves. You know, we are, we're literally, we're a crossroads. We're a crossroads for people. We're a crossroads for money. We're a crossroads for resources. Because the last thing I want to do is hoard it while we know there's needs. And uh, so we have just given that. And I, I'll, I can give you a report later if you want on all the where it went. But we did uh, uh, buildings. We did dormitories. We did projects. We did resourcing with people. We, we sent missionaries when they were home. We sent missionaries to conferences so they could be spiritually renewed. We sent them to uh, 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 conferences on uh, uh, divine healing on spiritual renewal. Uh, you know, a lot of times we think our missionaries, they're just overseas, and they're overseas, they're working full-time in a very hostile environment. And when they come home, I met with them, and I said, look, we want to pay for you to go to a conference. Uh, we want to pay for you to get invested into. So we've done that. We also, we've done printing for some of our missionaries. We've done things. So it's all of that's gone for. And that's, you know what's cool about that? We as a church have not lacked anything as a result of that. And there's a principle in Scripture, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And what happens is when we, when we are generous, the Lord sees that we're not hoarders. And it's not about us, it's about him and his kingdom, and then he pours out more resources. So in the midst of all of that, we've paid down $170,000 on our mortgage this year. So we have $185,000 left. Anyone you want to, Jose, want to cut a check for it? Just let me know when I can deposit it, you know? Uh, but it, it, our goal is to pay down that, that debt so that we could reallocate those funds for resources of ministry. Because I hate debt. I don't know about you. You may like debt. I hate debt. Uh, and so I, I want to be free. And freedom comes from not living in debt. Amen? Hey, so this morning, that was just a commercial. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about the new thing. I believe that one of the, the mountains God wants us to, to look at is, as we begin a new year, to look at the, what new thing does God have for us? You know, I believe that the, the, one of the coolest things about starting a new year is that we get to reset you know, how many of you are golfers? Any golfers out there? I'm not. I golfed. Last time I golfed, I golfed 150 holes in a day and sold my brother's uh, ping golf clubs for 50 bucks at a yard sale. He hates me ever since that. Uh, but I used to golf, and I remember golfing, and a mulligan is not an official thing, but a mulligan is where you, you hit the ball, and it goes off in the weeds. You say, you know, I'm going to take a mulligan on that. And that means you're going to take a re-swing re, uh, without any penalty. And that's what the new year is for many of us. It's a restart. It's a new year. Uh, there's a lot of debate on social media, whether we're at the beginning of a decade or end of a decade, and I don't really care, but it's a new beginning. It's a new calendar year for us. And one of the cool things, it gives us new opportunities. It gives us an ability to create new passions. One of the reasons we do the Daniel Fast every year is because we believe it's like a spiritual front-end alignment for us, that at the beginning of the year, we change our attitude and change the way we view things because we want more of the Lord. How many of you want more of the Lord? You know, 
I want more of God in everything I do. I want more of God for you. I want the blessing of God on you. I want the favor of God on you. So I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're asking the Lord to do in the year 2020? You know, if you were going to go to your eye doctor and he says, you know, your vision is not 2020, what does it mean? You need new glasses. You need to have some sort of calibration to affect your vision. Well, in the year 2020, what we're talking about is let's get a vision of what God wants for us. Let's get a vision of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Because I believe this. I believe, first and foremost, the Lord is good. Things may happen to us that are bad, but the Lord is never in those. Scripture says all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So we want to be a community of faith that believes that God wants to do something good in our life. And so, you know, I remember as a young believer, I I just came to faith. And one of the first verses I remember reading was 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. I love that. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And not only that, the old is gone and the new is here. God wants to do something new in each of our lives. And as we draw closer to the Lord, one of the things I'm convinced of is that God wants us to be drawn into a new intimate relationship with him. You know, think about it. God, the God of the universe, my wife and I this last week, uh, I was kind of after Christmas, I don't know, last Christmas and this Christmas, I've been, I was sick, both of them. Last year, I totally missed the service. I was home in bed. This year, I, I came to service, struggled through it, and I went home and spent a couple days at home just in bed, working from home. I just, I felt miserable. But one of the things we did, we watched a documentary uh, about astrophysicists and the expansion of the universe. And it was really interesting because here you have these people with multiple, multiple PhDs. They're talking about the vastness of the universe. They're talking about how it all began. They were explaining the whole, quote-unquote, Big Bang Theory, how it wasn't really a bang at all. It was more of a a process of of evolution. And they're talking about the whole thing. And, And they could not explain how the universe was created. And Lynn and I are sitting there as, as both people with doctoral degrees in theology. We're like quoting scripture and, you know, like the TV can hear us, you know. Even if they could, it's recorded so they wouldn't hear it anyway. And we're like talking back and forth to the television. And then one of the comments they made is, well, we have to go back to the beginning of the book. And I'm like, yeah, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was God. And, and, and I, I thought about how these people have all this wisdom and intellect and, and education, which I'm not against education. I love education. But it has to be filtered through the word of God. And what God wants to do is he wants to create something new in us. You know, I think about some of us where we've been maybe a year or two ago, or maybe even some of us that are in this room right now, we're in a place where we haven't made that, that commitment to the Lord like we should have. We're not in the relationship with God that he speaks to us on a daily basis. We're not in the word. And one of the beautiful things about scripture is scripture says, A lot about that, but one of the things he says is, I want to give you a new life, and January is a great time. One of the things we do in this, if you didn't uh, look through this uh, book, don't read it now, but you can look through, and there's a daily devotional. A devotional is basically something you could just read a a small portion of scripture, it'll take you five minutes, a couple scripture verses, a couple comments, and there's a place for you to write down some notes. I'd encourage you to develop the discipline of Bible study. The cool thing is a Bible study discipline doesn't just happen. It's not like you get up one day and go, I'm just going to study the Bible. 
You have to cultivate that. And habits are formed over periods of time. Most people will tell you that in order to create a habit, a discipline, you have to do the event at least 21 times. And then you get into the regiment and the routine of it. And that's what we want through this uh, time together as a community of faith. We all want to be looking at the same scripture because God will speak to us. I believe this. God speaks to us collectively as a body, and he does it in a uniform manner. And so what God will do as we study this, he'll help us to see some things. In the scriptures, in the book of Corinthians, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was an unbelievable church. It had great things about it, but there's also some horrible things in it. And one of the things he says in in Corinthians is, in in chapter uh, 6, verse 9 and 10, he says, Don't you know that the wicked would not inherit the kingdom of God? And he starts telling the church, because in this church community, how many of you know this? In every church, there's people that don't know the Lord, including ours. You know that? A lot of people, they'll talk about it. You know, they're, they're religious. They're into a, a, a system, but they don't really have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And we want you, every one of us, no matter how young or how old you are, to know the God who spoke the universe into existence. Just think about that. I was sitting down last night with my, one, um, my, my middle grandson, and we were watching uh, the, the Blue Planet too. And we were looking at all these creations, and I was talking to him about how God created all these things. And, and he was looking at uh, one of the, the king penguins and all the different colors on it and the stripings and how they, they pluck all their feathers off, and then they stand in place until their feathers regrow so they can be insulated to swim in the weather because when they molt, it affects their ability to swim. And I said to him, I said, Noah, isn't it cool how God did all of these things and how you have a relationship with that God? And he goes, yeah, that's cool, Grandpa. You know? You see, God wants us to have that intimate relationship with him. And he says in, in second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he says that the wicked won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And who are the wicked? Don't be deceived. People who are sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, people who perform homosexual acts, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbal abusers, swindlers. See, we talk about the first part, but we don't talk about people that are verbally abusive. That's a whole nother sermon, you know. But the reality is there are things that we can do that will preempt our relationship with the Lord that would prevent us from entering into heaven. And I'm thankful that God just doesn't stop there with the word, you know. He doesn't say, you know, that's it. If you've ever done it, you're done for good. You're out of here. You know, I have some friends that grew up in families that the families, the family culture wasn't embracing. It was very divisive. And they made one mistake and they were gone for good. I don't ever want to see you again. Get out of here. And they're gone. They're out on their own. That's not the way the heavenly father works. I'm thankful. I don't know about you, but I was part of that 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 10 and 11. I was that the life I lived before I came to faith. But what something happened to me in, in my college years, between my junior and senior year of college, I had this little church, and I've told you this story if you've been here for a while, that actually asked for my, uh, one of my high school pictures. I used to have long, flowing blonde hair, you know. I used to have it in a ponytail. It was so long. Ponytail was so tight it pulled my hair out, you know. And so... They asked for the picture, and what they did, they actually did a prophetic act. They didn't know they were doing it, but that's really what they were doing. They took my picture, and they made copies of it. They went to a local uh, 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 pharmacy and got copies and gave it out to every person in the, in the church and said, there is one hellion in town, and his name is David Willis, and we need to pray that he gets saved. Some of you have family members that aren't serving the Lord. 
And you need to do a prophetic act like that. You need to take their picture and stick it on the front of your Bible or stick it on your dash of your car when you're driving, to, driving around. Put it someplace, put it on your fridge so that every time you see them, you pray that the Holy Spirit will touch them. And I'll tell you what happened to me. I was living a life of 1 Corinthians 6, 10. Living it and thinking nothing about it. And all of a sudden, I started feeling what I could only say now is conviction. I didn't know what it was at the time, but now I know what it was. It was people praying that God would get hold of me. And I'll tell you what, he did. And then what happened is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. Oh, thank God for washing, huh? You were sanctified, means you're set apart to be made holy. You were justified. You were put in a relationship where once you were out of relationship with God, now you're back into relationship with God. And he says, and you were done, it was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, one of the cool things about God is he, he allows U-turns, you know? He allows you to make your... You know, how many of you know when you're screwing up, you're screwing up? You know, you don't have to have someone say, you know, Anthony, you really are messing up right now. You know, not that you are. This is just an illustration, okay? <laughs> it's like, Anthony never comes back to church again. <laughs> but when you mess up, you know it. I mean, you don't usually have to have someone say to you, Hey, by the way, you're really screwing things up right now. You know it first and why? Because where does the battle start? It starts in our mind. And you start to do premeditation. You start to do something, you know, no one's going to know I do this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> the Holy Spirit speaks. And you know what's amazing? God allows us even when we mess up. And the church in Corinth was a powerful church, but they did a lot of messing up. And so Paul came back into the equation and said, hey, you guys need to straighten up your act. And he says, in 1 Corinthians six eleven, he says, and that's what you were, but you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. And he, he changes everything around. And one of the beautiful things about a, a new start in a new year is God gives us a new opportunity to draw close to him. You know, the prophet, the prophet Jeremiah he was speaking the words uh, in the book of Lamentations in chapter 3, verse 23, uh, 22 and 23. And he says this, and I love this. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. You see, sometimes we think God wants to consume us and destroy us. But the reality is his compassion, his grace, his loving kindness doesn't consume us, doesn't destroy us. And as a matter of fact, every morning it's new. So every morning we could do a reset, a recalibration, a front-end alignment of what God wants us to do. And we can get up in the morning and say, you know what? Today I'm... today." is a new day. I may have blown it yesterday, but I'm going to do a new thing today. Lord, I surrender myself to you. I give you myself today so that I can walk in a new relationship with you. You see, I thank God that his compassion is new every day. I thank God that he, we don't make one mistake and it's like, bang, you're gone. That's why you and I aren't God. Well, if I was God, well, if you're God, we'd all be in hell. <laughs> you know, if I was God, you'd all be in hell. You know, we'd all be, we'd, you, we would just be judgmental. But the grace and the compassion of the Lord is new every day. So what does God want to do in your life in 2020? What new thing does he want to do? 
And I believe for our church as a body, I believe God is stirring something new. I believe we're in a new season. I believe there was something broke off of our church this last year that we have been really pushing for for the last seven or eight years, that we've been asking the Lord to do something, and God is doing it. And I want to ask you are, you, are you willing to be part of that? Are you willing to be part of what God has? It's not that the old was bad. I mean, not, I'm not saying that. Don't, don't, don't try to reinterpret what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there is a new thing God wants to do. And God loves new things. God enjoys new things. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah, I love this. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet, he was speaking to the nation of Israel, and he was declaring that he was going to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel from the Babylonians. And in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9, he quotes this, and he says, look, see the former things? See the things that I have taken, that have taken place? There is new things I declare before, this, uh, before they spring into being, I announce them. You see, the prophet, a prophet is a person that speaks forth something. So a prophetic word is a word to you or to me that God declares something before it happens. Okay, So if you read through the Old Testament, you read through the, the books of the Old Covenant, you'll see the prophets declaring who the Messiah is going to be. You'll, you'll, you'll read scriptures, and it'll, it'll talk about the coming forth of the Messiah and how God wants to speak. And it, the purpose of a prophetic word to us is to edify, encourage, and exhort us. It's to have us move into what God wants us to do. And many times what God will do, he'll speak to us through a prophetic word, and, and, and we don't have a full understanding of it. But what the prophet Isaiah does, he says this. He says, I'm going to declare. And the, literally, the word that's used in the Hebrew language there for declare talks about, I'm going to make something known that was unknown to you. I'm going to expound on something that you are unaware of. And a matter of fact, it's usually a, a word that has been concealed to you. Something that you weren't aware of at the time, God says through the prophet, I'm going to declare this to you so you can walk in a new relationship. And the mystery, that is a cool thing, because the mystery that God has for us is, is been hidden, but what he wants to do is he wants revelation for you. And that's what a prophetic word does. It reveals what God's plan and purpose for your life and my life is. I love prophetic words. As a matter of fact, I, keep, I used to have a journal but we moved, and I, I don't, know, don't even know what happened to it. But I used to write down any time anyone would have a prophetic word for me, I'd go and transcribe it. Now you know what I do? I pull up my phone, and if someone has a word for me, I say, hold on a second, and I touch my phone, and I open up an app, and I create a, a voice memo, and I say, okay, go ahead and give it to me. And when they speak the word to me, I, I trans, take it on my phone, and then I transcribe it down and write it. Why? Because I want to reflect upon what God says. And I remember as a, a, a years ago, I, we were professors at this uh, college over in Santa Cruz, and uh, I went and I spoke at a church, and this little kid comes up to me, and it was in a children's church, and they were teaching children how to prophesy, and this little kid comes up, and he's like seven or eight years old, and he starts speaking to me, and back then I had, remember micro cassette recorders, the little tiny micro cassettes, they're about that big? I, I had one of those, and I pulled it out, and I said, hold on, and I clicked it, and this little kid was reading my mail. 
He was telling us about, I see how you had a home and, and the Lord lost that and the Lord is going to restore that to you. And not only is he going to restore that to you, I see your wife traveling uh, to na- many nations. You're going to start traveling uh, domestically, but the Lord is going to take your wife traveling internationally. And at that time for the college, I was doing public relations and recruitment and, and teaching. And I would take students all over from Colorado to Cal- or actually to Hawaii, uh, to the Canadian border, the Mexican border, and we recruit students. During that time, the Lord spoke to my wife about creating women of the world, and she became the world missions director of the college, and she would be in charge of interns, and she'd travel all over the world with them. Now, how would a little seven-year-old know that? Because they had ears, those who have ears to hear. And one thing about our children, our children, listen to me, if you have children or grandchildren, you're an auntie or an uncle, children are, are more receptive to the voice of the Spirit because they don't have all the junk we have in our life. And a lot of times their filters are just so pure and they're so open and they could just hear the voice of the Lord. We need to listen to some of those things our children are saying to us. You know, I don't know how many families we've had in our churches over the years that the children were the ones that brought the parents to faith. You know, I was reading through the Thanksgiving, yeah, give God thanks for that. I was reading through the Thanksgiving uh, uh, prayer things that people put down and I was amazed at some of the things that children wrote. I thank God for this church and what it's doing in my family. I thank God that this church has taught me about Jesus. I thank God for Pastor Sandy that she's teaching me about the Holy Spirit. You know, we had a conversation with Sandy this week, and she was saying how the children are now fighting for who can pray. Isn't that great? I mean, isn't it great that your children want to pray? They have a relationship with a living God, and they want to have communion with him, and they, they're, they're like they're being jealous. I mean, they're saying, I want God more. I want, I want more of the Spirit. I want more of what God's doing, you know, and that's what we will be. We'll be a house that cultivates that. You see, the Bible talks over and over that God wants to reveal his mysteries to us. The Apostle Paul, I don't know if I have it up here, Ephesians 3.3 3 or not, but in the book of Ephesians, he says, the mysteries that have made, been made known to us by revelation. And the Apostle Paul is the same one that wrote to the church of Corinth, is the same one that wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he said, I want to reveal the mysteries that are found in Scripture. Now, how many of you have completely memorized this entire book? You've got a whole, all 66 books and appendices memorized. Anyone? Well, let me tell you. The Spirit of God can reveal things to you, things that you have read, maybe things that you haven't read, maybe something you've read years ago. And one of the things he wants to do is he wants to reveal those things to you, the things that are hidden, so that you can walk in a power and authority like you've never had before. And our desire as your pastors, let me, let me tell you this straight up, I want you to be mighty men and women of faith. I want you to be strong men in the faith. I want you to be strong women of the faith. I want you to be able to, when someone's talking to you about the Bible, you may not be able to uh, quote the chapter and verse, but you can say, you know, something's not right with that. That red flag is up. That you'll have the spirit of the living God dwelling in you so you can rightly divide the word of truth. And it's important for us to, to, in order to do that, to be in the book and read the book and apply it to our own personal life. So that's why as a community of faith, in the beginning of the year, we're encouraging you to do this Daniel fast to say, you know what, I'm going to give some time that I could just draw near to God. Because scripture says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you want to be closer to God, you have to, be clo- you have to spend time. When, when Lynn and I were dating, she actually didn't know I was dating her, but I was dating her. She was actually working for me at the time. And uh, I was dating her, and she had no clue. 
you know. It was sketchy, but I figured one way or another she's going to get all my money, so I might as well marry her, you know. Uh, and and we, were, we were campus pastors in Pennsylvania, uh, digging myself deeper. It's... It, all, both dollars of it she'd get, you know, and one of them, it was all 20 wooden nickels, you know, uh, anyway, so we were, we were, we were, da- yeah, yeah, so, so I was dating, and I would spend time, I would make time to be with her, why? Because I wanted to get close to her, you know, it's like the old song, just to be close to you, you know, you want to get close to the Lord, spend time with him, Set aside, you know, listen to this, you know that if you started today and you spent 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, by December 31st, you'd read the entire book. Well, I don't know, that's a huge book. You know, that's, that's a lot of book, that's a lot of reading. I don't read that much in a millennia. But you could sit in a movie theater for three hours and watch a movie. You could watch a football game for, I don't know how many college football games I watched over the last week. There was 10 of them. I think I watched eight of them. You know, that's a lot of television. We we had so much time, we did all of our taxes. We're just waiting for our documents. That's how much time we had. You know, you could read the entire book in less than a year. And if you would do a faster time, say you say, I'm going to take 30 minutes. In six months, you could read the entire Bible. Just think of that. And think of how much you'd be drawn closer to the Lord as you hear his voice through scriptures. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it says this in chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. In reading this, then, you will, un- in reading this, then, you will understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has been made known to the people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy prophets and apostles. You see, the Word of God is active. It's alive. It's not this dead book. It's not like reading the Wall Street Journal or reading someone's, uh, some author's book. There is a spirit, the same spirit that spoke creation into existence is the same spirit that penned the words of Scripture. So when you're reading the Bible, you're reading the Word of God that's become alive. And it says it's active. It's alive. It actually could divide between the bone and the, and the, and the flesh, the, the marrow of their bone, the intricacies of who you are. The same God that spoke you into existence while you were in your mother's womb is the same author of this book. So when you expose yourself to this book, what happens is the author, the God who created the universe, starts a relationship with you. And he says, you know what? I'm going to reveal things to you. I'm going to give you insights and understanding that you may have never known, but I'm doing it because of my incredible love for you. And as God does that, one of the things he does, he reveals things in Scripture. And it's, it's amazing because this is something that was promised in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 42, verse 9, said, See the former things that have taken place, the new things I declare before they spring into a being and announce them to you. You see, the prophet Isaiah was saying, I'm going to verbally declare these things to you before they take place. And there is power in the spokenness of God's word. There's power. You know, one of the things I do when I read Scripture a lot of times, I'll, I'll sit and read it, and I'll read it out loud, and I'll quote the word to myself. I'll just say, and this is what the Lord says, and I'll just read it and speak it out because there's power in the authority of God's word, and there's power to help you overcome. There's power to help you to become victorious. There's power to help you become set free. There's power for you to change the situation of your life because the word is alive. And as you speak forth the word like the prophet Isaiah does, he says, I'm going to declare it. And if you drop down in the next chapter, in chapter 43, verse 19, he says this. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? 
You see, he's saying, hey, I'm going to do something new, but do you perceive it? What is perception? Seeing things that other people don't see. God wants you to see things in Scripture that other people don't see. And the more you're in it, the more you're going to have an intimacy with the Spirit of God. The more he's going to reveal it to you. And he says this, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now that word, how many of you, anyone know anyone by the name of Derek? Anyone know anyone by the name of Derek? Derek is actually a Hebrew word. D-E-R-E-K is the transliteration from Hebrew to English. And Derek talks, it's literally, it's, uh, uh, the translation is a way. It's actually used over 700 times in the Old Testament. But it's not just a way, it's actually a way of life. And it talks about the mode and action of a person's life and how they're participating with the things of God. So what the prophet is saying to us is, I'm going to speak something to you, give you insight, perception, to have an understanding of something that other people don't know because I'm communicating through, through the word to you and you'll have insight and understanding. How many of you want that for your life? You know, I tell you, if I would do a seminar on finding the will of God, we could be packed out. Everyone wants to find the will of God for their life. Everyone wants to find out what is, what is my plan or purpose on, on life. Let me tell you, right here, it's written. You just gotta, you gotta dig, you know? Like the old, what's that, country western song, dig a little deeper in the well, boy, dig a little deeper in the well. You just gotta dig a little deeper in the word and find out what God has for you. And as you do that, one of the things I do every time I read scripture, if I'm reading it on my, my, in the book or I'm reading it on my phone, I'll say, Lord, give me wisdom and understanding to what I'm reading. I may have read a book 20 or 30 times, but every time I read it, I say, Lord, give me wisdom. You know why? Because I, I don't know about you, my brain is sometimes like a sieve. And it's not like a sieve for the fine flour. It's a sieve, sieve for the big rocks. And just everything goes through it. So as you ask the Lord to give you wisdom, I also ask that, Lord, what I read that you help me retain. And the beautiful thing about the Spirit of God, if you ask anything according to his will, he'll do it. And so the prophet here is, is, is talking to us, and he's saying, I want to do something new, and I want to do something new in your life, and I want to show you the way. So let me talk to you about New Year's resolutions. I don't make New Year's resolutions because I think they're really a waste of time. Um, but uh, I, it, it's amazing because my wife and I, we go to a gym. And you always notice anyone that goes to a gym, if you have a membership that you actually use, um, that in the beginning of the year, you'll find all these new people come to the gym, right? And, you know, we're all looking for a secret remedy to either lose weight or get better shape or, you know, make d- changes in our life. And it was interesting because this week I went to the gym and there was a couple new exercise classes being offered. And so I got to the gym and I did my cardio workout for a while. It was about 30 minutes. And then I went and I exercised using weights for about 30, 40 minutes. And I noticed there was one person standing up against the wall waiting for an exercise class to begin. They stood there the entire hour I was in the gym. Okay, maybe they're working on their posture. They're leaning against the wall. I don't know. But I thought to myself, okay, if you want to change, get on a treadmill and just walk. You know, there's no magic thing. You want to lose weight. It's not like, well, if I just take this pill, you know, I see these guys on TV getting lots of endorsement money. You know, the reality is if you and I want to lose weight, there's two simple things we do. We move our body more and we eat less. That's the only way you could do it, you know. People that take pills, what happens? They take a pill and they feel great and they lose their weight and then all of a sudden they stop taking the pill and they're like, they're like pufferfish. They just get huge, right? 
I'm going to give up carbs for a month. And then you eat a a communion wafer and you're like Jabba the Hutt's big brother. You know, it's like, they're simple things. Well, let me tell you, the truth is, in Scripture, there's simple ways to get close to the Lord. Spend time with Him. Read His Word. Fellowship with people of like faith. You know, those things will help us to grow. And in the spirit, one of the things you and I have to make, if, like Lynn said, if, if we could do it for you, we would, but we can't. You have to choose. That's why scripture says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You have to make that choice on a daily basis. And all of us have the ability to make that choice. And, you know, choices can either lead you into a positive place or a negative place. You know, how many of you have made a bad choice? You regret it, right? You know, how many of you made a good choice and you appreciate it, right? You know, one of the things God wants us to do, he wants us to embrace it because we live in a culture, and we don't use this term very much in the here, but do you ever hear the term worldliness? You know, it's kind of an old school church term we use. But worldliness is something that detracts us from the things of the Spirit. And, and we live in a culture, and I'm, I'm not going to bash our culture, but the reality is we live in a culture that is pulling us away from the things of Christ. Yeah. We live in a culture that is very fast-paced. We live in a culture that's really materialistic. We live in a culture that is really, uh, it, it just gratifies our own self all the time. And that just happens to be where we live. So what do we do? We become countercultural. How do we become countercultural? We become people that have a first and foremost an allegiance to the Word of God and what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? Because here's the thing Christianity and American citizenship are not equated. Yes, that's true. You, you want to hear me? That's right. They're, they're not. I got an email. I sent out the blast for the Thirst Conference and I got an email from a guy from Pakistan. He wants to come to the conference. He wants to know how we can get here. And I'm thinking, well, you need about $3,000 for airfare. You need a visa, and you need a, a, a passport. But I didn't tell him that. I said, you know, hey, sorry, we're not live streaming it or anything like that. But there are believers in Pakistan. There are believers in Iran. There are believers in countries that we look at as evil enemies of ours. But let me tell you, there's enemies within our own country for your faith. There are people that are making decisions on a daily basis that want to tear down faith of people, you know? How do I know that? Read the news. Read, the, read what's happening in the world. So what we become is we become countercultural, and we say, hey, I thank God I live in a country with all these freedoms. But you know what? My allegiance is first and foremost to the Word of God. I will first and foremost be a Christian before I'm a member of any nationality or any race or any population. You see, because there are values in Scripture that supersede our citizenship. I don't know about you, but my citizenship, I'm dual citizenship. I'm a citizenship of heaven first and the United States second, you know, and my citizenship, my allegiance is to the word of God. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you to make your allegiance to God's word because heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word is going to endure forever. So what do we do? There are things in our culture that draw us away from drawing closer to Christ. And, and, and one thing I've learned over the years is that many times they're very, very subtle. Well, it's a good thing to spend time with family, right? You, know, you guys just went on a cute date. You went out to a really nice place. I saw it on Facebook. You know, you post on Facebook. I get to pick on you. Well, I get to pick on Simon anytime because he's such a good guy. So we, we, we go spend on a date, right? How many of you think dates are good? 
you know, Lisa, you're supposed to raise your hand, okay? Okay? <laughs> so what happens? Well, you know, I just want to spend time with this person. We don't need to go to church. We'll miss this week, and then, you know, we're going to go out of town next week, and then the week after we're going to do it. So what you do, 21 days, you create a habit of not fellowshipping with people. And then you've created a discipline. And then you hit a crisis somewhere down the road, and you're wondering, why doesn't my church help me? You know? Who are you? I meet people all the time in Morgan Hill. I love this because I, I am totally, I, I, I sucker them in. I'm like reeling them in when they're talking to me. You know, oh, I'll wear my Crossroads shirt. And, oh, yeah, I go to Crossroads. I'm like, really? I've been there eight years. I've never seen you. <laughs> really? I have people all the time do this to me. Or I'll say something, I'll wear a hat that has a cross, and I go to Crossroads. And, oh, yeah, the pastor there is great. I love him. We're good friends. I'm like, yeah, he's a great guy. You know, and I'll sucker them on, and they're talking to me. And like, who's the pastor? I said, I am. They're like, oh said, see you Sunday, buddy, you know? People, we are drawn away from community of faith. And let me tell you why we come together as a community of faith. Because some days you're having good days and some days you're having bad days. You know, I was thinking about worship. We had like an hour worship service this morning. You know, our services usually last about two hours. Today it's going to be three and a half, okay? (laughs) Somebody just lost the victory. Just teasing, okay? You have a hundred and how many, 186 hours in a week? Is that how many there are? Yeah, you know, and we spend two hours together. And why do we have worship for an extended period? Because a lot of us, we deal with a lot of stuff in the six and a half, almost seven days that we're not in church. There's a lot of pressures on us. There's a lot of pressures from family situations, family dynamics, health issues, work environments, all of those things. That, and we need to cultivate you to be open to the things of the Spirit. What does worship do? Jack Hayford, the pastor in Southern California, says, worship cultivates the heart for the implantation of the Word. So what we want to do is we want to soften you up from some of the things around you that are hurting and pounding on you and make you comfortable so that you could hear the voice of the Spirit. Because my challenge and her challenge and anyone that speaks here, the challenge that we have is that we just don't preach to ears that don't hear, but we preach to hear ears that can implant the Word of God and then be changed by the Word of God. So one of the things that we see is is that God wants to do something new, and are we willing and and receptive to that? So what what is the new thing God's doing? First of all, this, God is raising up a generation that love the Bible. They love the Word of God. They love the the Scriptures. You know, and I I want you, if I could cultivate an appetite, you know, during the Daniel fast, it's amazing how your appetites will change. Some people will go on the Daniel fast, and and they'll never go back to their former diet. You know, I remember, was it three years ago you gave up Diet Coke? Three or four? You know, I'm on Facebook, and I got a picture from eight years ago when we moved from New Delhi, India to Lucknow, India, and we had a picture of Lynn and I sitting there in front of our table in our new house, and it had a a picture of her with two big things of Diet Coke, and we had pomegranate juice, which was blessing, we had honey for sweetness, and we had round wafers, which means the cycle of life of how we're going to continue to do the same thing God's called us to do. I remember when she gave up her Diet Coke. I mean, you drank Diet Coke before I met you. When our children were being raised, you would go get a Diet Coke and Cinnaminis from Burger King in the morning and drop them off to school. She, I, I, she started giving up Diet Coke. I left the house for like two days. I mean, she, literally. I'm, honestly, I'm not... You're not very helpful. I wasn't very helpful. I, I knew, you know. 
There are crosshairs. I don't want to be in them, you know. Lord, she's your servant. You take care of her. She was miserable, you know. You know, there's things sometimes we give up. They're, they're so ingrained in who we are. It's difficult to give up. But once we give them up, there's no turning back to them. And I tell you, God wants to do something in your life and my life this year where we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not by some sort of self-help book, but by the God who spoke the universe into existence. And we're going to fall in love with the word. And I want to, if I could do anything, I encourage you. That's why in 2 Peter it says this. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Beloved, he's actually calling us. That's who the Lord speaks to us through the word. This is now my second letter to you. Both of them are reminders to stir to wholesome thinking. By recalling what was foretold by the holy prophets and commanded by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. And most importantly, listen to this, verse 3. And most importantly, you must understand that in these last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Where is the promise of his coming, they will ask you. Anyone ever have that? Oh, Jesus said he's coming back. It's been 2,020 years. He still isn't going to be back. Yeah, but in a moment, Scripture says, in a twinkle of an eye, one one one-hundredth of a second, the Lord could return. And then in the end of verse 4, he says, Ever since our fathers fell asleep or died, everything continues as it has been from the beginning. So some people say, nothing's ever going to change. Well, I'll tell you, Scripture says the Lord's return is going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to come so quickly, people aren't going to uh, know what's going to happen. And the Scripture says one of the things that God wants us to do during this time, when we're in a time where people are saying this, is have wholesome thinking. How do you have wholesome thinking? You get into a wholesome book. You get into something that's going to build your faith up, stirring up the things of the Spirit. And one of the things that God wants to do is He wants the Word to become active in you. He wants the Word to become alive in you. And some of us, like I, before I came to faith, I don't know about you, but man, my mind didn't need a cleaning. It needed a pressure washing. It actually needed to be soaked in something like a chemical for a while and then an industrial pressure washer to come in because I had junk packed in there for 20 years, things I had done, lifestyles, choices, decisions I made that my mind was so corroded, a small church knew enough to say, you know what, if there's any hellion, a person that needs to be saved, it's this guy. I was talking to the, the pastor that led me to the Lord and he says, yeah, David, you were a rascal. I probably would have used a different term, you know. But I tell you, there's stuff in your life, in my life, that the Lord needs to pressure wash out. And the way it, it, it gets pressure washed out is by the Word. Look at what Peter says in chapter 3, in, later in that verse, in verse 14 through 18. He says, therefore, beloved, he reminds us how much he loves us. As you anticipate these things, make every effort to be found in peace with him. So you want to have a good relationship with the Lord, have peace with him. Without spot or blemish. How do you do that? Because you've been washed by the word. You're confessing your sins. You're acknowledging that you make a mistake and God cleanses you from it. He says, consider also the Lord's patience brings salvation. Just as our beloved uh, brother Paul also wrote to you about the wisdom God gave us. Remember, God wants to reveal his wisdom to us. You know, there's amazing things that I found about God. He will reveal wisdom about things that aren't necessarily spiritual to you but they're very practical. You may have a, a, a project in your work. You may have a project at your, your employment that you just can't figure out. And all of a sudden you say, Lord, give me wisdom. And all of a sudden he downloads an ability for you to understand something that you're confused about. See, God doesn't just work on Sunday mornings, folks. 
He works Thursday afternoon. He works Friday mornings. He works all the time. And he says he will give you wisdom. He says some parts of the letter are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. So what he's saying is there's certain parts of this book that are difficult to understand. And what people will do, they'll try to distort them. So what do you need to do? You need to be able to study the word so you can understand it for yourself. Our role as your pastors is to, is to present the word of God to you and give you insight and understanding so you can apply it. You know, when we were university professors, one of the things that really annoyed me was when a professor would take something very simple and make it complex so that people would say, wow, you're so smart. I tell people this all the time. The truth of a good teacher is to take something complex and make it simple to understand. So not that it's simple. You know, one of our, our, our mottos around here is keep it real, keep it simple, and keep it about Jesus. The simplicity is helping you understand the word. And as you understand the word, he says, then you will already know these things. Be on your guard so you could not be carried away by errors of lawless and fall from the secure standing, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing he wants us to do, he wants us to be people of the spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we won't read the whole chapter, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about things of the spirit. We will be a spirit-filled church. We will be a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the Spirit. Why? Because Scripture teaches it. He says, that's what it says. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. You know? Some churches, man, you talk, start talking about gifts of the Spirit, and they're like, oh, we don't want that. We don't believe God wants to do you know, miracles. We don't believe God wants to heal people. Well, then stay in there and be sick. I believe God wants to heal people. How many of you, raise your hands if God has physically healed you after you've been prayed for. Raise your hand, keep it up. Now look around. Look around. Okay? Now just think if you didn't believe in miracles. Well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'd rather be sick. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have a terminal illness. I, 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 per, I prefer to be right and be dead versus being submitted to the things of God. You know, read through these things. What are the gifts? There's different manifestations. How many of you want wisdom? The rest of you, come seek us. How many of you want knowledge? How many of you want faith? How many of you want to pray for people and they'll be made well? How many of you want to work miracles? How many of you want to speak prophetically? How many of you want to have a discernment between right and wrong spirits? Okay? How many of you want to speak in other tongues? Me, I do. I want to speak in tongues more than all of you. How many of you want to understand what's being spoken in tongues? Okay? Scripture says these are all from the same spirit. All right? So we as a church will cultivate that and encourage that in you. And finally, third thing, worship team, if you want to come up, is we want to raise a a generation that is unashamed of the gospel. I I told Pastor Sandy, she did such a marvelous job at Christmas. And the more I hear, I see kids talking to me, and they'll talk to me, and I see the kids being excited about the things of the Spirit. God wants to raise up in this church young people, middle-aged people, even us old fogies, to be unashamed of the gospel. And he wants us to be unashamed starting here. Let me tell you, if if you're not, that's right, give him a clap. Because if you're ashamed of the gospel here, you're never going to do it out there. This is like this is like Quasimodo. You remember from the, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Sanctuary, Sanctuary? This is a safe place. Yeah. This should be one of the safest places in town, yeah. you know? And in a safe place, you should be able to declare what God wants to do. 
Because if you can't do it here, you're never going to do it out there. And God wants to do some things. He wants you to be unashamed with your family members. Some of us are, we're more comfortable talking about other things that aren't spiritual than spiritual. And the one thing I found is people, they will make fun of you. They will mock you as long as the day is long. But when they go through a crisis, they're going to go to someone that's spiritual. They're going to, when they have no one else to turn to. I had a guy that used to curse at me, use every blankety-blank word in the book, but when he went through a crisis, who would he come for? And he used to call me preacher boy. Hey, preacher boy, blah, 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 you know, using the Lord's name, not in the way we would. But when he went through a crisis, he came up to me, he says, hey, I want you to talk to the man upstairs. I'm like, who are you talking about? I put him on the spot, you know. Well, can you talk to the Lord? Yeah, because people want spiritual, safe people. You need to start talking to your friends. You need to start talking to your family. You need to start talking to your neighbors and your coworkers. You know, children, if you're young here, some of you need to start talking to your moms and dads that aren't serving the Lord. You know? Some of you, this beginning of the new year, you need to reach out to your sons and daughters that are estranged and start talking to them about forgiveness. And, and be the spiritual person and ask them for forgiveness. Don't ask them. Even if they've wronged you, why don't you be the, the, the more mature person and ask for forgiveness and try to make restoration to those relationships. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to have communion. And during this Daniel fast, we'll have supplies up here for you to have communion. They'll be in a small box or a little uh, uh, basket on the table. We won't have the, the uh, sets up here like they are today. But I want to encourage you to, over the next two Sundays, is to maybe come up and grab one of those communion cups, and maybe you need to go make some things right with some people. They're little disposable ones. It's got the juice on the bottom, a little wafer on top, and you peel them apart, and you can have them. Well, have them up here in a basket. If you want them, I didn't bring them out today. I forgot to, but if you, you're going to go meet someone that you'd like to have communion with, let me know. We have about 350 of them, so we have enough for the next couple weeks. But what is Communion. It is a recalibration to what Jesus did for us. On the front of this table, it says, in remembrance of me. We take communion to remember what the Lord did. One, he forgave us. He restored us. He continues to forgive us. And what we do is we make a new agreement with that. To say, Lord, I want to make things right. Maybe some things aren't right with you this morning. Maybe some things of where you're at in your faith. Maybe some, you know, attitudes you have towards the Lord or towards church or people in church aren't right. Scripture says before we take communion, we should examine our hearts. And we should see if there's anything in our heart that is not in alignment with the Lord. And then we, before we take it, we should just confess it. So what we're going to do, I'm going to have the ushers, if you want to get ready, ushers, come forward. We're going to pass out all the elements to you. There's a little cup and a little piece of bread. I want you to grab one of each and then hold those. And we're going to pray, and we're going to ask that if there's anything in our lives that are displeasing to the Lord, that we will confess those to the Lord. Scripture says if we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us not from some things, but from all things. And, and then what we're going to do is I want you, before you take your elements, I want you to verbally declare what you want God to do in your life this year. And I don't want it to be like, I 
I want you to pretend you're at like a Raiders game or a 49ers game or you're at a DSW sale or you're at Craft Center and you're at Walmart on Good, on good uh, what is it, Good Friday? You know, Black Friday? I want you to shout it out, Good Friday. If you're, if you're at Walmart on Good Friday, there's a problem with you. <laughs> okay? I want you to declare it and then we'll take our elements. All right? You got me on that? Worship team. The words of that song say, I will rise to declare the victory. So why don't you rise and declare what you want God to do in your life this year? Don't be shy. Come on. Shout it out. Declare it. Declare what you want God to do in your life this year. Come on, church. Don't be shy. I can't hear you, church. I can't hear you. You need to declare it loud. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we declare health over this house. Lord, we declare people being set free in this house. Lord, we declare financial breakthrough. Lord, we declare business success. Lord, we declare restoration of relationships, God. Lord, I pray you would expand what you want to do through this house, Lord. I pray that, God, you will create uh, divine encounters that we have with people, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Release it into the atmosphere. Release it into the spiritual authorities. Let them know that you are now a servant of the Most High God, and you will not be silent, but you will speak out what God wants you to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we come before you and we ask, Father, if there's anything in our lives that have been displeasing to you. God, if we've omitted or committed something that's been a violation of your laws or precepts, I pray that right now, God, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, I ask right now that you would forgive us. I pray that your grace would be extended to us, that new mercy that's there every morning that you declared in Scripture would be found in us. And Lord, I embrace now the freedom and forgiveness we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, we declare freedom over our lives. Right now, if you've, if you've confessed something, just say to the Lord, thank you, because he's forgiven you. Thank you, Lord. Now let's take the bread. Lord, this bread represents your body, which was broken on a cross thousands of years ago, but it still has the power of restoring and renewing your sons and daughters. Lord, we thank you for this bread. Now bless it to our bodies. Shall we eat? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you say in Scripture that this cup represents a new covenant. What that means is that the old covenant was broken. And God, some of us, we've made promises to you in the past, and we've broken them. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that this cup represents a new start for us. And on the first Sunday of January 2020, Lord, we recommit ourselves to you. Lord, that we would be sons and daughters who walk not ashamed, but walk in power. That we don't walk in, in guilt, but we walk in freedom that we don't walk in condemnation, but we walk in grace. 
that, God, you would forgive us and restore us. And I pray that as we take this cup, which represents your blood, that, God, we would be restored and renewed and empowered by your Holy Spirit in our walk with you. And I pray that 2020 will be our best year ever. I pray you, God, give us spiritual eyes to see things in the Word we've never seen before, to understand the truth of Scripture like we've never understood before, and to walk in the power and the anointing of the Spirit like we've never seen before. And Father, if we believe that, let us say amen. Amen. Shall we partake? Prayer teams, if you could be available for special prayer. If you need special prayer after we end the service, please come forward. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we say saturate us. We're not going to be running around trying to get to the next thing. There is nothing more important than being in your presence. Nothing more important. And Lord, we're asking for your saturation in our lives. Saturate us that our shield would be saturated in the Holy Spirit, that it will extinguish the darts of the enemy. Lord, we pray we're going to not just talk the talk, we're going to walk the walk. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word. We thank you that you're doing a new thing. We receive it, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Remember, there's prayer on Tuesday nights. Be back next Sunday for a great word as well and the marriage seminar. We're having a I Thirst for You conference meeting over here on the left. If you're volunteering, please come and sit over here. I'll make it nice and short. God bless you.